Mr. Biva, coming to our topic for tonight, um, I'm really glad, by the way, one, just to express thanks from the bottom of my heart that you are willing to take us through uh, mm. this particular topic. It's difficult, um, yeah. but also considering how busy you are with the camps and just putting aside mm. time to invest in us, that that's, thank you, thank you, and thank you so much uh, for thank that. You, but we're coming to the last piece of our uh, topic, and we really... I know I have so many parentheses in my speaking. I really hope we'll have you later on in the year. Um, the calendar is still open, Mr. Peter, after next week. Next week is going to be packed, so don't touch next week. Mm-hmm. It's already booked out, mm-hmm. but we would love to have you back uh, on our show, if possible, every week. Coming to our question here, uh, I have... about being a pastor for for a while and the first time that came to me i declined uh, for several reasons private reasons um i found myself being involved in church especially in the teaching ministry not necessarily the pastoral ministry um but the teaching on the pulpit and uh, i'm getting closer but one of the things i really dread um i'm looking forward to one day officiating a wedding I'm looking forward to one day maybe helping with uh, with child dedication uh, in the service and just committing those children to the Lord and being responsible for that. But one of the things I'm really afraid for that I dread is uh, carrying out a funeral, even a service. Mm-hmm. Why? Because I don't know what to do with someone that is hurting um, one of the things I keep I keep mm. staying away from and I've had several ones warn about is do not say you understand what the individual is going through because you just mm. do not understand what they're going through. No circumstances are ever the same. But what are some of the other things that we do that we need to watch out for, Mr. Peter, when someone is grieving that uh, we should not say or do uh, or even us who are grieving, what are some of the things we should not say? I might be the, in quotes, the victim or one that is being affected by a loss. What are some of the things I should not say or I should not do, that I should not do? Mr. Peter. Hmm. Very, very nice uh, question, David. Um, and uh, let me first detour and say, uh, mm. you are a pastor, David. You you're shepherding God's flock. You just don't mm. have a church, uh, but you are a shepherd and <laughs> the Lord is using you graciously mm. uh, in that direction. Some of the things that we say and we should not say to grieving people, one of them would be, at least you, you are young and you can have more children or you can remarry. <laughs> mm. That's a very, very bad thing to say. Uh, would you rather have me do, you, you, when you say such a thing, it's very mm. insensitive. And I've mm. had it said to parents who are grieving on numerous occasions. Mm. Now we're not talking about loss of a family pet mm. that can be replaced. <laughs> mm. It's an irreplaceable member of the family. Mm. So that's 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 totally off the wall. Mm. Another one that uh, you'd hear people talk about, and uh, 
I think it is a no, 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 no. Is a when you hear someone say uh, your child is in a better place, mm, mm, my internal mm. response will be, well, I wish I was there with them. Thanks mm. for reminding me, but I'm stuck in this grief for the rest of my life. I'd rather they be with me. Mm. So. Uh, this is the that's why I am I'm a big believer that uh, the ministry of presence uh, is what I call the www witness without words mm. and uh, show up and shut up is more important. Let's be very careful what we say. I've, uh, and then there's one that looks like it's it's a very good one, but it, totally it means nothing. One one of the things people like saying is uh, if you need anything, let me know. Now, <laughs> mm. uh, David, this is a really empty statement that I know. may salvage our consciousness. Mm. Yes. Mm. Uh, sorry to say, but our brothers and sisters from the U.S. are very good with this one. Uh, mm. The problem with this is rarely will a person volunteer a need to such a statement. Mm. Mm. A more useful statement would be, what do you want me to do to help mm. That's totally mm. different. Mm. What can would I do? Would you rather, yes, would you rather have me do this mm. or that for you? Mm. Yeah, so I think those are some of the things that uh, that I could I could just add on uh, what we need to be careful not to say. Mm. That one, I actually remember going for a funeral service once where someone mentioned that on the microphone. He says, Madam, mm. if you need anything, let us know. And the guy who came to speak afterwards uh, mm. said we are coming to you and we are going to ask you what you need <laughs> we will not wait for you to ask That's right. he, That's he, right. he, he immediately uh, yes. came in front and uh, let the, the widow know that uh, we are here mm. and we are coming we are coming to you mm. we, will, we will be at your house we are going That's to ask you what you need That's very uh, so I thought it was a very brave I mean I don't think they are friends right now mm-hmm. uh, with the guy who spoke before but I mean, good friends will appreciate a rebuke from another. But yeah, it's interesting that uh, you did mention that. That has stuck out for me as, as an individual. Mm-hmm. Um, um, just offer the help. Don't, don't, don't wait for them uh, to Absolutely. come to you. Um, I was talking to another friend uh, recently. I think it was yesterday. A different topic altogether. And I did re echo this, that you don't have to be in a good place to help another you do not have to hmm. be in a good place, even financially. Even though you're the one grieving, you don't have to be in a good place to help another. Why? Because none of us is in a good place. We all have dreams. We hope we'll have more money. We hope we'll have mm-hmm. more things around us. And so that day may never come. And the yeah. thing that's where it was interesting for us to begin with the song, Little Miracles, as we celebrate the things that God has done for us in our lives. And so I think it's a beautiful reminder for us to know that uh, God has equipped us to help. And our topic today is hope beyond grief. Hope beyond grief. All my life I've been carried by grace. Don't ask me how because I can't explain. It's nothing short of a miracle I'm here 
I'll play for us the full version of that song towards the end of our show today, but that was just a quick reminder that nothing we have or everything we have is by grace. And uh, let me remind those of us who are here, let me see if I can uh, recognize some of the famous names. One of them is Lindsay. Lindsay is a always on time, uh, very popular on this show. Florence is very popular on this show. Isaiah is very popular on this show. Kato, I know this is not your first time. And so Quincy as well. Ciao, ciao. You are welcome. And we do have Bosico. We do have Nobat. Nobat is here. I promise to show him something. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, if you tap the Cabin Divorce logo right now, you'll be given an option to join what we have called the fan club. You'll be given an option to join what we call the fan club. It's not free. You pay to join that kind of... uh, that kind of uh, audience and the special privileges uh, for those of you who decide to join the fan club. Think of them as VIPs. And every time you join the show, everyone will know that you have come. Think about it as being in the main hall. The show is going on and uh, when you join, everyone will know VIP is in the house. VIP is in the house. And so please go ahead and join the fan club. You do not know what other things are coming, but for a very long time, I've thought about making t-shirts for cabin devils. You never know. You just never know. Seth, join the fan club. You just never know the privileges that are coming with the fan club. In fact, I'm now thinking about it. I should have reserved the notes for these shows, Mr. Peter, for those who are part of the fan club. In fact, let me do that. I'm going to reserve the last set, the last set of the notes. You only have two copies (laughs) of the notes. We have part one, part two, but part three is only going to be available to those who are part of the fan club. Just kindly tap, I mean, tap the Cabin Divos logo and there'll be an option for you to join the fan club or tap the gift uh, button that you have there on your phone and there'll be an option for you to join the fan club, Cabin Divos fan club. That's for the VIP, very important persons. But right now, allow me to pray for Mr. Peter and then we'll give him his time exclusive to share with us uh, tonight, everything that he has prepared for us this evening. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for this evening and we pray that you help us count our blessings and name them one by one because we know that uh, behind the rough part of the pastry, we cannot, we can't see anything until it's done. And we know you're working something in our lives, even through pain and uh, suffering. And so we pray that we will see it. We pray that tonight we'll be encouraged by your word that uh, we'll leave this place more blessed than we came. And that in the same way we may comfort those who are around us. We want to commit Mr. Peter into your hands. Give him wisdom and uh, clarity of speech as he speaks to us. We commit our time before you, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Mr. Peter, you are welcome. Amen. Amen. Thank you, David. Let me first of all commend you for what you are doing, the consistency and the reach. Uh, You're now touching the world, and uh, we, we, we bless you. We thank you for what you're doing. We celebrate you. I personally do that. And uh, I would like to help wherever I can. Just continue being steadfast and movable. Continue to be abounding. 
because you know what? Your labor is not in vain. So I, mm. I really appreciate, I count it a big privilege that uh, you allowed me to be part of this. I'll be joining in the coming days just to listen, just to also be able to to, to learn and to, to, to be blessed, to be refreshed because I need that many times. And then I also want to celebrate someone who has joined, if you've just not been keen, but she's followed us through all the three sessions on grief. It's, it's more like an email, Nina Monique 6. Uh, I really celebrate her and uh, one day you'll understand why, but this is so special, so precious for me. So uh, Nina, I just know that we appreciate for you being part of this podcast and uh, uh, may God continue to enrich you, to help you heal and to continue working in your life. So I really appreciate. Um, we have gone through the series of grief and literally we've just uh, touched on the surface. We've just tried because it's a bit deeper than we think. We started by looking at it is okay not to be okay. We unpacked First Thessalonians chapter 4, 13. And uh, the key thing we're looking at is why we should not mourn like the rest. And it's okay for you not to be okay. It's okay for you, for people to smile at you and ask you, uh, how are you and your boyfriend doing? Are you going to be engaged? Yet they, 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 they don't know that you're already split. It's okay. It's okay for, for, for them to ask you, oh, where is your child? I, I never see their child. How is he faring on? Yet maybe they died of COVID. It's okay. It's okay. And it's okay for you to feel low sometimes. It's okay for you to feel like you don't want even to read the Bible, to feel that you don't belong. It's okay not to be okay. It's okay to cry. We notice that. And then we wrestled with the Matthew 5, 4, when it says, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And today, we are looking at Romans 8, 28, a very, very common verse that says, and we know that all things work together for good to all who love God and have been called according to his purpose. And before we look at how we have hope beyond grief, maybe we need to wrestle with the question, do all things work together for good? Do they? Really? Is Romans 8.28 a pillow or a hard problem? And the reason I'm saying that is because, let's be honest, this evening, and admit that we at least have two problems with this text. One, Paul is too dogmatic. Dogmatic means, how can you say all things work together? Paul, how can you be sure about that? In truth, most of us are not sure, as Paul was. We hope all things work together for good. We believe they do, but do we really know it to be true? The truth is we don't. The second thing is that Paul is too inclusive. He says, for we know all things. It would have made perfect sense if this verse said, and we know some things <laughs> work together for good. But Paul goes and says all things. Does that include even the darkest tragedies of life? Does that include 
a family member dying? Does that include a breakup, a painful breakup? Does that include someone who's suicidal? Does that include when you've been abused? How is that good and what good do you find in that? So I tried to understand this verse and what I did, I noticed that I do not have to tell you that Romans 8.28 is one of the most beloved Bibles in the Bible. You know that many of us would give a testimony to that fact. You are sick and this verse was like medicine to your soul. You lost a loved one. And this word somehow carried you through. You are crushed, beaten by the winds of ill fortune. And this verse, this same verse, gave you hope. Therefore, it shocks us to know that it is often without consoling power. There are some of you also who secretly doubt. They hear this verse quoted, and instead of being medicine to your soul, it is a mocking, cruel joke. How can all things work for good? You just lost your job because of corona. They say, what do you mean good? Sickness is not good. Murder is not good. Divorce is not good. Rape is not good. Death of a child is not good. Leukemia is not good. Being ditched by a friend is not good. The pandemic is not good. So I look at this verse and I thought the best way maybe to understand it is to give a consideration to other versions of the Bible on the same verse. I noticed something interesting. In the King James, it starts by saying all things work together for good to them that love God. The Greek interliner says, but we know to those who love God, all things work together. New American version starts with God. New international version says, in all things, God. A keen observation shows that God is, in one version is at the beginning, at, in one version is in the middle, and in another version at the end. Therefore, when we are hurting, when we are grieving, it is very consoling for us to know there is hope because God is with us in the beginning, is with us where we are, and is with us at the end. Where is God when it hurts? Is it there at the beginning? Yes. Is he at the end? Yes. The answer is God is in all stages of our life. So here's a good question. What exactly is Paul saying? Is he saying that whatever happens is good? No. Is he saying that suffering and grief and tragedies are good? No. Is he saying that everything will work out if we have enough faith? No. Is he saying that we will be able to understand why God allowed tragedy to come? No. What then is Paul saying? I submit to you, brothers and sisters, this evening, that Paul is just erecting a sign over the unexplainable miseries of life. And the sign simply reads, 
quiet. God is at work. That's what Romans 8, 28 is saying. Quiet. God is at work. For us to better understand Romans 8.28, we must define the word good. Paul says, all things work for good. That's the good, the bad, and the ugly. All things work for good. The ugly things of your life are destined to work for your good. The good things are destined to work for your good. But what is the good? For most of us, Good equals health, happiness, solid relationships, long life, money, food on the table, meaningful work, a nice place to live. In general, we think the good life means a better circumstances. Once again, that's not necessarily the biblical point of view. He defines it for us in the next verse. Verse 29, he says, it says, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be comforted to the likeness of his son. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed in the likeness of his son. That makes it very clear. God has predestined you and me to a certain end. That certain end is the good. Hallelujah. The good of Romans 8.28, that certain end is that we might be conformed to the likeness of Jesus Christ. Let me put it plainly. God is at work in your life, making you like Jesus Christ. He is not at work in your life, making you happy. Mm -mm. Therefore, anything that makes you more like Jesus Christ is good. Anything that pulls you away from Jesus Christ is bad. When Paul says that all things work together for good, He's not saying that tragedies and heartaches of life will always produce a better set of circumstances. Sometimes they do, but sometimes they don't. But if you forget everything that I say, don't forget this. God is not committed to making you healthy, wealthy, and wise. God is committed to making you like his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And whatever it takes to make you more like Jesus is good. This, I think, is our greatest problem with Romans 8.28. Our good and God's good are not the same. We want happiness, we want fulfillment, we want peace and a long life. Meanwhile, God is at work in us, through us, and by everything that happens to us to transform us into the image of Christ. Does that include the worst that happens to us? Yes. Does that include 
the things that hurt us deeply? Yes. Does that include the times we have heartbroken situations? Yes. Does that include when we are doubting God? Yes. Does that include the times when we crash and we curse him? Yes. He is always at work. He is never deterred by us. Nothing happens to us outside God's control. There are no mistakes and no surprises with God. This is what Paul means when he says, we know. If you are a believer, the truth is you know. We know it because we know God. And he has said it. His word is trustworthy. And that guarantees it. We know it because we know him. We know it not by looking at the events of life, but by knowing God. We know it not by studying the pattern of the cloth, but by knowing the designer of the fabric. We know it not by listening to the notes of the siphony, but by knowing the composer of the music. There are so many things we don't know. We don't know why babies die. We don't know why there are car wrecks. We don't know why planes crash. We don't know why families break. We don't know why good people get sick and suddenly die. But this we know. God is at work and he has not forgotten us. Sometimes it looks like he's very far, but he's right there with us. The question on the floor is, do you know him or you know about him? If you know him, the good part is you have the peace and you have hope beyond the grief. You see, there's a difference between knowing God and knowing about God. There's a difference between reading a menu and eating the food. God expects us to be personal with him, to know him. As I close, I need to say this. It is very important for us to understand the limitation of this verse. The Bible says, Romans 8.28, and we know that all things work together to all who know God and have been called according to his purpose. Romans 8.28 is a promise. Not just a promise, but to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. That is an all-important limitation. This verse is true of Christians and only of Christians. It is not a blanket promise to the whole human race. Why? Because God's purpose is to make his children one day like his son. Therefore, we might truly say that Romans 8.28 is an evangelical verse. And we can ask two simple questions. Have you ever responded to God's call of knowing him as your personal savior? Are you part of God's saving purpose? Do you know him or you only know 
about him? You either answer yes or no to those questions. There's no middle ground. And until you answer yes, this verse does not apply to you and you can never have hope beyond grief. My appeal to us this evening is don't go to hell through cabin devotions. You need to know him and it makes the whole difference because Bible says in Revelations, I've read the book and I know we win. He will wipe every tear and we'll be reunited with him. And yes, there is hope beyond grief for only and only those who know him as their personal savior. And all God's people said, amen. Thank you. Thank you so much, Mr. Peter. Um, it's about 14 minutes to the end of the hour and I won't waste any time. I do have some very, some are difficult. The first one I think is a difficult question, but I'm glad that uh, you have not begun teaching God's word yesterday. So you've had some very difficult <laughs> questions, but some of the catchy phrases that are really important to remember, I put some of them up there for people to not one of them is quiet. Uh, God is at work. I know that is similar to the statement, slow down men at work, but this is to be quiet. Why? Because yeah. usually we say things when God is at work and we cause accidents uh, in the process. For when men at work, people love to speed through work zones. And that's why you're required to slow down because we cause accidents. But I think we cause accidents when we make noise while God is at work either as those who are being worked on or those who are watching what God is doing. We try to comment it. It's like a soccer game. Um, we are telling the keeper where to fall. We are telling the striker what to do. And it is God at work. So we need and are reminded to be quiet. But so he's at work in you, making you like Jesus Christ. And I do remember some of the words that he used also with W. He's not committed to make you wealthy. He's not committed to make you wise. I forget the third one. What was it? Mm. He's not committed wise? to make you wise or make wealthy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the third one is what? I forget the third W. Oh, it's in the notes. Join the fan club and you'll find it in the notes that are going to be shared. But our good also and God's good sometimes are not the same. Sometimes are not the same. And that's how we get Romans 8.28 wrong. But the other one is we know God by knowing God. And that's going to be my second question. But first is my first question. Now that we know that we are at the tail end of our series, no other series is coming up, at least not in the near future, concerning grief, is uh, one of the things you mentioned, I think it must have been in part two, you mentioned and said we have to go through it. We can't go above. We can't go under. We have to go mm -hmm. through it. But now when it comes to what we just talked about today, there seems to be light at the end of the tunnel, uh, to borrow that phrase. But the question is, what, what can I do to relieve the pain? And by that I mean uh, at least to see God in the storm. 
the storm is happening. I'm going through it, but God is not absent. He's there at the beginning. He's there with us and he's there at the end. What are some of the things I can do to see God? And I'm talking about people who uh, may be listening and they're in a very hopeless situation where there's just no hope. You just cannot see it. Um, I, I want to borrow the example of the disciples when they were in this storm, in this boat, and uh, Christ is sleeping and they ask the question, do you not care that we perish? And he simply stands up, comes the storm like a boss. I mean, if this was uh, on Facebook, on Instagram, it would be like a boss. Shh, everyone quiet. And the storm comes down immediately. He knows what he's doing and he cares. And so when they asked that question, they really did not know him to the point that they can acknowledge that he cares. But I want to be able to see God in the storm, Peter, and have this hope. And what are some of the things I can do? We would like to make cabin devils as practical as possible. What are some of the things I can do while in the storm to see God in the storm? That's a good good question. You 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 totally uh, made me be carried away because I I was thinking when the disciples are asking God, uh, Master, don't you care that you are perishing? They are terrified. But after he comes the storm, they are even more terrified. And they're asking, What kind of a man is this? Uh, <laughs> so so I was just I was just carried away. <laughs> I was just carried away with that. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, the truth is uh, you are either in a storm, you just came out of a storm, or you're about to go in a storm. You are either in a storm, you just came out of a storm, or you're about to go in a storm. So what do you do when you are going through all these situations? I think the first one, recognize God's presence. Recognize God's presence. It was not important that there was a storm raging. The most important thing was that Christ was in the boat. And so you can mm. grieve alone or you can grieve with Christ. Mm. It's, it's totally different. Grieving with Christ in your heart gives you the assurance to know that he's with you. And mm. uh, it's seasonal. You are either in a storm you are coming out of a storm or you're about to go in a storm. It is not permanent. Put mm. in other words, uh, there is no storm that is permanent. It can rage for a long time, but uh, there is no, it is not possible that a storm will be there forever. The pain might take longer, the grieving might take a long time, but hang in there. Hang in there. Keep trusting. Mm. I think that's what yeah. I can say for now. That's a very deep question. Amen. But I guess it's right there in that particular uh, passage. The storm was doing all it wants, mm -hmm. but Christ was there. And it had it, but I mean, <laughs> mm. if you think about it, the storm had its boundaries. It just would not topple the boat. Mm -hmm. And I do believe circumstances have their boundaries in as much as they look so scary, but they have their boundaries. And uh, God has designed it that way, that when you mentioned right there and brought out the point in Matthew 28, to those who are cold, there's a boundary right there 
for troubles. Um, God has said just the same way he told the devil, you may touch his skin, you may do what you want, touch his family, his position, just don't touch his life. There's a boundary. That's right. And for those who are in Christ, I want to believe that there's a boundary and he just cannot take our soul. Circumstances cannot take that which Christ has already purchased. Uh, I was listening to Tim Keller this evening while I was doing some um, exercise. And he's talking about money. I'm sorry, guys, who digress, but I think this is important. He's talking about money and he's saying for most treasures, if you've watched Indiana Jones and most of those uh, haste movies, a man will give his life to get that treasure. He will risk his life to get that treasure. And he says for most treasures, they require, they require your death, literally. You'll, you'll wake up and sweat for that bread. But then he said, he asked the question, he said, what can you give a billionaire as a present? If you have billionaire friends, what can you buy for a billionaire as a present? And I've actually faced that question once. What can I get? I have a friend who does not earn little money. I said, this guy is a very good friend. What can I get for him that he does not have? Now, we are talking about a billionaire. I'm talking about dollars. Mm. But you imagine a God of the universe. What can you give God that he does not have? And then he concludes and says that we are his treasure. Mm. And literally he died for us, his treasure. That God looks and he says, you know what? For Peter, I will die. For David, Mm. I will die. For Kato, I will die to get him that is how much he loves us and even the song we just listened to little miracles million miracles there are so many we cannot count them and even though let's just try and value each of those miracles that god has performed at one dollar each he heals you of a disease let's just say that's one dollar he gives you one day to live this this let's just value it at one dollar we are millions of dollars worth or let's say billions and trillions of dollars worth when it talks about the value in gold's eyes it it is so much and uh, anyway all of that ladies and gentlemen to illustrate that there are things that circumstances cannot take from us and that is nothing can separate us from the love of god nothing neither death Nothing can separate us from the love of God. And that brings us to our last question here, Mr. Peter. You did talk about this hope um, that only Christians can experience. And uh, Mm -hmm. the statement you did mention, which carries so much, it says, we know, for we know that all things, and we know by knowing God. But what if I have someone here? who maybe has had several gospels he has had several ones talking about different things and they're only asking one question tonight how can i know him how can i know him what are we really talking about here how may i know this god that you guys are Mm. talking about for me Mm. how can i know him Mm -hmm. um mr peter you only have what four minutes to answer that question (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> how can I know him? And someone's life depends on it. And not just life here on earth, but life for eternity depends on mm. how we answer that question. How may I know him? What would you, how would you help someone right now know Christ as 
his savior yeah in um, romans um romans um uh, the bible says that uh, if we confess with our mouths believing in our hearts that Christ died for us since then we will receive him and uh, there is a difference i've said of uh, knowing about Christ and knowing him Christ will only come in your heart if you invite him and uh, he promised he'll seal us with his spirit and we we'll ha- we'll start a relationship with him that's 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 how it works uh bible says come to me all ye that are heavy laden and i'll give you rest and uh you see if you come you become because in john 1:12 the bible says he came for his own his own received him not but as many have received him to them he gave the power to become children of god so when you come you become and it's only when you come become that you can overcome revelation 12:11 scripture tells us that uh, they overcame the devil by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony and they did not love themselves to death so it, that's 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 how it is so you make a personal confession you you repent your sins and invite him in your heart then you begin the relationship and i'll mm-hmm. be glad to do that even tonight Amen. Amen. Yes, sir. And if you're here listening to us right now and uh, you would like to um, just place your faith in Christ, just take a minute, a minute right now. It doesn't even have to be a minute. It could be less. And pray to God and tell him that, uh, Lord, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I don't deserve to even be called your child. But today I ask that you make me your child. I would like to trust you as my savior and be known by your name save me from my sin today because i believe that you died i believe that you rose again i believe that you're buried and in you i believe i have everlasting life it's not the prayer that saves you it's your belief and trust in christ if you confess with your mouth that jesus is lord and believe in your heart that god raised him from the dead you will be saved amen and amen Mr. Peter, one more question has popped up just before we go um, by Timo. He's asking a question. I don't know if you've yes. seen it. He said, thank you, Mr. Peter. You really helped mm-hmm. me a lot. Help me understand this. If God is not committed to make me wise, how do I apply the verse that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom? Hey, there you go. People are listening. <laughs> first of all, first of all, Timo, it is very bad manners to ask uh, a hard question when we have had a very good podcast uh you need to repent uh, <laughs> <okay>. <laughs> Timo I did say that God is not committed to making you healthy that is worldly wealthy that is also still worldly and wise and I ref- I'm referring to worldly wisdom not the wisdom that uh, James talks about and uh, the fa- the verse you've quoted so you are on point and uh, mm. what i've said is not scripture I've j- i just used an an illustration he is committed to making us more like christ like his son mm. and whatever it takes to make you more like jesus is good that was my mm. my point mm. but you are theologically very sound and it's mm. bad manners to 
to do that at the end of a good podcast. <laughs> he, he won't do it good again. He won't more. do it again. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you so much, Mr. Peter. And so, guys, thank you once again. If you're going to listen to a podcast before you go to before bed, you go to, before you go to bed, you can as well grow in your faith. Cabin Devils. Cabin Devils. Your number one live podcast. Every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, 9 p.m. East African time.